Michigan State absolutely takes it to Nebraska ball on Tuesday night. Who are the stars of the game and how are we feeling going into this Big Ten gauntlet Michigan State is about to go into? And then, yeah. Hey, some Michigan State football tidbits at the end, including some All-American games. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked On Spartans listeners, yes, my favorite people in the entire world, how on earth are we doing on this beautiful Wednesday morning, Wednesday evening, Friday afternoon, I, I don't know, whenever you're listening to this, thank you so much for joining us here at Locked On Spartans. I'm your host, Matt Sheehan, and if you would be ever so inclined, please rate, review, and subscribe to this here podcast or YouTube channel as we do this here five days a week here on the Locked On Spartans program. Uh, we are going to be talking about the 74-56 victory Michigan State basketball had over Nebraska ball here in a hot second. Uh, but first, hey, if you ever want to reach out, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com is the place to find us. Any segment ideas, any questions you have, hey, go on and pile them on over at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. All right, enough of the boring stuff. Let's get to the game here. Uh, what you're really, you know, just looking forward to hearing, and for a great reason as well. I God, what Spartan fan wouldn't want to hear more about this game on Tuesday night as Michigan State had their most complete performance probably since the Champions Classic, or honestly, like the, the first half against Villanova. And this was a game like that Villanova game that was all but decided in the first half as Michigan State jumped to a 39-17 to lead at halftime, eventually won 74-56, as we said earlier. But yes, it was all in that first half. And I'm not really quite sure what to be more impressed by, the fact that Michigan State scored 39 points. And that is impressive, against a Nebraska team that likes to slow the game down. They are one of the slowest teams in the country by design. It's how they beat Creighton earlier in the year for their best win so far this season. It's how they got to overtime against Purdue. Uh, lost in overtime, but hey, still, you got uh, two overtime against Purdue because you played that glacial pace. Michigan State was not about that life in the first half. They got to play their pace and then also on the defensive end as well. Nebraska scores 17 points thanks to some stout Michigan State defense. And also, too, it just kind of felt like there was a lid on that basket uh, for Nebraska in that first half. Yeah, like just like I said, and just like you saw, Michigan State played good defense, but whew, I, I, I would be lying to myself if I said that, well, Nebraska didn't miss a few bunnies. So, yeah, that helped as well, but yes. Um, it was interesting in the second half. I Like, I don't know. It was... It, it, I don't. I was at a crossroads with myself in the second half because I was like, "Oh God, this game's getting interesting now." Oh boy, it's like a twelve-point game, fourteen-point game, and then I really started to have like a I don't know what, what do you call it, like an introspective on myself. It's like, is this a me problem that I'm fretting over a game that's fourteen points against Nebraska at home, or is there really something to be worried about here? Because in reality, if I really look at the game, no, there was never anything to worry about in the second half. But yeah, of course, when I'm watching the game and Nebraska starts the second half on a hot note, I'm like, oh my God, they're actually starting to come back. Oh no. 
maybe I just need to see someone. Maybe I'll make that part of my New Year's resolutions going into the year to work through these issues that I have that I'm starting to get worried over 14-point leads against Nebraska in the second half. But enough about me. Let's talk more about Michigan State. And, yeah, we will uh, toot our horn over here on this podcast because Lord knows we get a lot of things wrong on this podcast. But uh, you know what? Sometimes, every once in a while, we like to get things right on here as well. And we talked about some things on yesterday's episode that really came to fruition today for a good reason. Uh, now, what did we call? Uh, you know, that, you know, what did we talk about yesterday that really actually didn't work well for Michigan State? We got one off the top right here. And it's that Nebraska, they play a clean game on defense. Like, they are a really good defensive team, but they don't force a lot of fouls. Like, they don't get in a lot of foul trouble, and that was shown once again on Tuesday night. Michigan State only shot six free throw attempts, and again, that's just something Nebraska's good at. They don't send teams to the line. They're one of the best teams in the nation at, well, not sending teams to the line. So, no, the whole Michigan State only shot six free throws, I don't really worry too much about that. And, look, if you remember... Buffalo, just last game, they're a team that loves nothing more than to send their opponents to the free throw line. And Michigan State got 30 attempts against them. So, yeah, of course you want more than six attempts in a game, but I don't think it's anything to freak out about. I think it was just more of the nature of who Michigan State was playing. Now, some things that we did talk about on yesterday's episode that, well, we sure did like today is... uh, (laughs) If there's anything Nebraska's kind of, sort of, really bad at, it was shooting the ball. Okay, they were 2 of 16 from three-point land. Somehow, they were even worse at shooting free throws. They were 8 of 20 from free throw land. Uh, And, okay, I get it. Like, uh, 2 of 16 from three, percentage-wise, is worse than 8 of 20 from free throws. But, my God, you never want to dip below 50% free throw shooting. Oh, my... Like, look, we talked about it yesterday. Nebraska ranks outside of the top 300 in shooting both free throws and three-pointers. But, oh, my God. Uh, Like, Michigan State shot 32% from three-point land and just 66 from the free-throw stripe. And that looks like the vintage Golden State Warriors compared to Nebraska's numbers. So, yes, thank you very much, Nebraska, for being who you are, which is not a good shooting team. And then one other thing we talked about yesterday as well is Kasai Tominga. Yes, he is Nebraska's uh, wing player that is a hot and cold player. It's either this guy that averages 10 points a game. He's either throwing up 24 points or he's throwing up two points. And luckily, we got the latter there. Uh, He played 12 minutes tonight, just scored two points. So, yes, uh, the, the preview showed a lot of things. That we saw on Tuesday night, so that, and that's just great, you know. And also, too, one other thing as well. We said that, hey, something good for Michigan State is the Izone alumni is going to be in attendance. And I'm going to uh, just pull something right from Graham Couch's three takes that he has at the end of the game. Graham Couch, you already know him. I don't have to introduce him, but Graham Couch, uh, Lansing State Journal columnist, after every single football and basketball game, he has three quick takes. And this is something I saw on his Twitter feed as well between him and Lansing State Journal reader Steve Beckman. And uh, hey, this is a fulfilling prophecy right here. 
Graham Couch writes in his three hot takes, not counting the two COVID years, uh, including last year's mask mandate. Yes, the his alumni was mandated to wear a mask. And then, uh, you know, the, the year before, obviously, there's no is an alumni. MSU has covered the Las Vegas point spread each of the last six previous alumni is games. Okay, which is awesome. Like, to cover the six alumni is games is fantastic to do. But get ready for this next part. Michigan State has done so by 9.6 points. So, yes, Michigan State, they don't just cover the spread when it's an Izzo alumni game. They wallop it. So, shout out to Steve Beckman. I know he's on Twitter. Uh, reached out to Graham Couch about all these stats. Shout out to Graham Couch for including that in his column as well. But, yeah, like when we were talking yesterday on the preview, I thought, yeah, like, I don't know. It just seems like the Izzo alumni game always brings more heat, always more energy. It's a lively crowd there. Okay, shout out to Steve Beckman for actually proving you how deadly it is to be an opponent rolling in to a midweek January game against the Spartans when you got the old alumni, just like myself, in there tonight. Uh, so yeah, hey, shout out to all the Izone, or I'm sorry, the alumni Izone group there. You guys showed out, so there you have it. We're going to talk more about this game, of course, because we got some stars we got to talk about. We have some shout outs that we got to get to because, yeah, laced with individual performances with first betonline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting info stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college football season yes as there is just quite simply put not a lot of games left a uh, little tip here, lean in, everyone. I like Georgia minus 13 and a half a lot coming up. I think they will win that one 45 to 30. Yeah, so that, that covers the spread. And also, hey, NBA, we got some NHL. We have some pro golf in the mix coming up as well. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, well, hey, good news for you, Buckaroo. You can find more of those at BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get in on all of the sports betting action. So what are you waiting for over there? Head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends and action. That is at BetOnline where the game starts. And let's kick off the second segment here with, hey, talking about the stars of the game. Uh, this was a total team effort from Michigan State. We'll get into some quotes here from Tom Izzo. And actually, yeah, screw it. Let's just cut right to the chase. So, like, Let's just get into a quote from Tom Izzo after the game right off the top here. He said, quote, everybody played really well. That's why you win by 20. Uh, well said from a Hall of Fame coach right there who knows a little thing or two about what it takes to win by 20 in a conference game. And yeah, a lot of players did play well for Michigan State. And even the guys that had off games, so to speak, still, in the end, had pretty good games. But uh, no one had a better game than Tyson Walker. 21 points overall, 16 in the first half, as you probably know by now. And also, hey, zero turnovers, one steal. But yes, that was the Tyson Walker that we got to know in that uh, Portland tournament over there. Yes, the PK-85, he's also been showing out earlier this season, but I don't know, it was nothing I was worried about. I, I think I said that, uh, you know, after the Oakland game, after the Buffalo game, and I, apologies if I didn't, but I, I wasn't worried about his performances that game. You know, you're playing one game where you take an 11-day break, another game where you take a 10-day break. I can see how rust factors in. He wasn't, you know, necessarily immaculate in either of those games, but... I would call 16 first-half points in the conference game a pretty immaculate performance and just so good off the ball. 
right? And look, A.J. Hogard, this is one of the guys I'm talking about who didn't have a great game. One of six shooting, okay? Like I think he had two points. No, I'm sorry, four points. He, he did have two free throws later on. But at the end of the day, look, nine assists from A.J. Hogard as well. So, yes, I mean, it's even when you're not having a great game like A.J. Hogard, you're still filling the stat sheet with nine assists and also helping out your friend on the wing, Tyson Walker, playing some off ball. A lot of handoffs, a lot of coming off of picks. It was really probably what Michigan State wanted to see. I think they game plan this game to get Tyson Walker going. And, yeah, it's, it's safe to say that, yeah, those last two games, Buffalo and Oakland, weren't really anything to worry about. So, yes, uh, Tyson Walker far and beyond the number one star of this game. Joey Hauser, it's very funny. A guy puts up 10 and 10, and you're like, oh, okay, all right, well, it's just your third double-double in the last five games. Like, oh, my God, Joey Hauser's having himself a season right now. This is the Joey Hauser that we wanted to see going into this year, the, the Joey Hauser that we saw close out last season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't keep saying this over and over again, that, hey, Joey's having a really good start to his season because, well, holy crap, we're almost midway through the season. Uh, but, yeah, Joey Hauser. Another double-double, third in his last five games. And then also, hey, let's go to the bench for our third star of the game. We got Jackson Kohler. Ten points, five of five shooting in 15 minutes. And we started to see his offensive game come to life at the end of the Buffalo game because, well, Michigan State was up about 75 points against Buffalo, and you get a real shot to start working the ball into Jackson Kohler, start building that confidence. Which, look, if you're not even a body language expert, but anyone that knows what the word body language means, you probably saw that Jackson Kohler was missing a bit of that confidence as the games went along. And of course, this was a tough start to his college career for him. God, he only had to go up against two All-Americans in his first three collegiate games. But even after that, kind of sputtering for Jackson Kohler. But man, I that second half against Buffalo, I think, did something to him. And then, hey, 10 points, 5 of 5 shooting. Got it going on the offensive end. I, I'm not. I'm, and look, I'm, I'm not going to say that he's the next uh, Derek Nix right now at this very moment. Could he become a, a, that good of a player later in his career? 100%. I, I've said it up and down during his recruitment, even early in the season. One glaring issue: like the, the defense wasn't necessarily all there. But I don't think that you're ever going to expect Jackson Kohler to be this Jaron Jackson Jr. type defender. But hey, if not for nothing else. The offense has been looking crispy from Jackson Kohler. So, yes, in these conference games where, again, he left to eat up 8 minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, you want to see someone that's confident and competent on offense. And that is not what we saw for the first month of the season. So I think that's what we're starting to see from Jackson Kohler. Hopefully this can sustain itself. So, yeah, that, that was a nice little outing there from Jackson Kohler. Also, just quick shout-outs. I mean, let's talk about the other big man, too. Matty Sissoko, or Matty Sissoko, rather. Uh, five fouls, you know, just five points. Again, another guy that didn't have a great game. Oh, but he had ten rebounds and three blocks. Like, he was a menace inside the paint, not doing a lot point-wise, you know, offensive production-wise, but, man, he took care of business everywhere else. Pierre Brooks, uh, eight points on just five attempts. Jaden Akins, look, I, I watched Jaden Akins. I was like, eh, that wasn't a great game from him. Oh, yeah, like 9, 5, and 3 is still a decent game when you're not really feeling your best. And then Trayvon Holloman, who didn't like really play a lot, but just once again in the first half reiterated 
what he is to this team. And this is a comparison that I made a few weeks ago, and this is what I'm going to keep doubling down on until he proves me otherwise, is that, and I don't mean this in a negative way, I think this is a positive way, especially for a true freshman, but Trayvon Holloman really reminds me of just Tum Tum Nairn, except with a way larger wingspan and just stronger defense. And Tom Tom was a strong defender to begin with, but man, just how rangy Trayvon Holloman is. I think he orchestrates an offense really well, kind of like how Tom Tom did. But however, with Tom Tom, his limitation, as of course you remember, not really a shooter by any stretch of the imagination, not really an offensive threat, but that's just Trayvon right now. He's more of the distributor, the defender, double Ds, distribute, defend. So that's what he is right now in his career, which, hey, as a true freshman point guard off the bench, Okay, look, fine. That's that, that's going to be A-OK. Now, one thing that we have to get to right now is uh, Stephen Izzo. Stephen Izzo, I'm, I'm starting to get sad over. Um, I'm sad because those were two really good looks from the field that he had. Uh, God, he almost scored on both attempts, and then he had that free throw. Of course, and that was after uh, Hoiberg, who now plays on Nebraska, I learned tonight. Um <laughs> Sent Steven Izzo back about 20 feet on his foul, getting him on the line for the 1-1, one and one, and the, the free throw attempt was even further off the rim than his fadeaway three-point attempt that almost went in. But, oh, Steven, when are we going to score in a regulation game, a oh, man? Um, because this is what Spartan Nation wants. At this point, we want this more than we want another Final Four trip through your dad, Steven. Um, and really, the only shot... I, okay, I shouldn't say this. Like I, The walk-ons will play again this season, but on paper... The next shot is, oh, all the way to the Minnesota game, and even then it's never a guarantee in Big Ten play, but, oh, Steve, that was the best shot that we had. What happened? Oh, I just feel so bad about that. I feel so bad about that. Um, and also, hey, really quick here before getting into some football talk, um, this was breaking earlier in the day, and we've talked about this not too long ago, is that, hey, Keon Coleman, when is Neon Keon going to be playing? Yes, of course, we're going to switch the conversation to something that didn't even happen in the game. Keon Coleman, not playing basketball this year for your Michigan State Spartans. This was a statement from head coach Tom Izzo. I'll just read the first part here. Quote, Keon Coleman and I spoke at length this week, and we came to the joint decision that it would be best for him to focus on his football career and not join the basketball team at this time. Keon had a great football season, and it's in his best interest to take the next few months to get ready for spring football while also taking care of his academic obligations. Also goes on to thank Mel Tucker. It uh, goes on to say that, hey, we recruited Keon for both sports, yada, 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 all that good stuff, but... The decision has been made. And yes, we've talked earlier this season that I don't think it'd be crazy for Kian to join this team. I mean, minutes are clearly available on this team if Jason White is putting in seven first half minutes every night. But as Malik Hall's come back, as Jaden Nagas has come back, you're not relying on the bench as much. And also, too, let's all be adults about this. Keon, you're a very talented basketball player. You killed it down in New Orleans it's time to think about your future, young man. And that is probably the bulk of the conversation that Izzo had with Coleman. Hey, you're a solid 13th man off the bench in the Big Ten. Um, you're also going to be probably one of the five best receivers in the conference next year as a junior, if not maybe even top three. How about we focus on that, son? So the, the, that probably was a, a, a conversation that lasted 
30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe even north of an hour. Lauren knows how much Izzo likes to talk, but yeah, um, it was nice that Izzo sat down, had the adult conversation with him, and I'm sure Tucker is fully aligned with it, but probably has more effect hearing it from the basketball coach than it does, will the football coach, where you think, like, oh, he's just selfishly wanting me to play, but I, look, I, I don't, Keon's not a stupid kid. I, I'm sure he knows full well what's at stake here for him. Let's focus on the football, and not just that, but let's not risk an injury. Come on, man. Like You'd hate to just blow an ACL or an Achilles or something ridiculous as you're dribbling out the clock up 30 against Minnesota or something like that. No, like, come on, no. So, yes, that, that can be put to rest. Did I think it was going to happen? Yeah, as time went on, yeah, I kind of did think that Keon was going to stick with this program, but nope, it's over. It, it, it's done for now. For now, of course, I would love for him to play this Saturday, see if he could dribble out the clock against that school down the road one more time. But no, it, it seems to be uh, school time. And then, uh, well, <laughs> don't tell anyone I said this, but more importantly, football time for you because that's where the money is going to be, Keon Coleman. Speaking of football here, um, we've had some future Spartans actually playing some All-American games and will be playing in All-American games later on this week. The first uh, coming up here, this was in the All-American, I'm sorry, the Under Armour All-American game. Jordan Hall, of course, the four-star linebacker out of Florida, and then Stanton Rommel, the four-star offensive tackle out of Alabama, played in the All, sorry, I keep screwing this up, the Under Armour All-American game, I should say. Uh, they were both on Team Phantom, and they beat Team Speed 14-7, to that's right, so... As far as I'm concerned, our uh, future Spartans here in Jordan Hall and Stanton Rommel, both 1-0 as Michigan State Spartans. And I did want to include this. This was from a Rivals piece. And this was five guys that saw their stock rise at the Under Armour All-American game and just, you know, the, the practice leading up to the game. All that good stuff. This is from Rivals. Quote, if there was anyone who took the field against the All-America players who was not intimidated, it was Jordan Hall. Playing for IMG Academy, Hall is accustomed to squaring off against five and four-star prospects on a daily basis. The mentality held strong being the leading tackler for Team Phantom on Tuesday. Hall was reading his keys, owning the box, and getting in the backfield to make plays. His closing speed on the ball popped during the game. So, yes, that, I mean, give me a quote that you want to hear more than that about your four-star linebacker that's coming in. And this is honestly, like... This is honestly a recruiting stretch that has not seen a lot of linebackers, so to speak. Jordan Hall, the only linebacker coming into this class, coming up a very, very light on the linebackers in the last class. But yeah, if you're going to get a linebacker, it's someone that has played at IMG Academy, just like Hall. Okay, he's also been a three-year captain. He also has no fear out there. And obviously, well, a talented kid, you don't make All-American games for no reason. So yes, the skill... The leadership, just the moxie that this kid plays with, it's a comparison. I'll be screaming to the mountaintops, but see a lot of Darian Harris in him. And I know that's a lofty expectation because, well, of course, I think the world of Darian Harris. But, uh, yeah, that's that's it right there. Jordan Hall, future Darian Harris. Hmm. We'll see. Again, a lot of expectation, but, yeah, there, there you have it. And then Stan Rommel, too. Uh, got a lot of respect from a lot of writers that were on the ground there, both of rivals, uh, 24-7 sports, on three, I think, had a little quip about him as well. But yeah, I mean, Stanton Rommel, just such a massive figure out there, six foot seven, uh, moves so well for his frame, and I get that he's a four-star offensive tackle, you know, rated just inside the top 20 offensive tackle prospects in the class, but like, I, 
I did not rank him higher. I, again, I, I'm probably very biased right now. I'm probably wearing my green tinted sunglasses. But, man, I, he seems like a top 10 offensive tackle rather than just a top 20. But I digress. Uh, and over here, check it out. It's Saturday on NBC. We have the All-American Bowl. This is another All-American game featuring some of the best high school prospects in the country. And, oh, yeah, <laughs> well, would you look at that four-star edge rusher by Joe Willie playing it this Saturday on NBC. If you have nothing else going on Saturday, I don't know. Gee, I can't think of anything else going on Saturday. Maybe a basketball game, if you will. But, yes, by Joe Willie playing it this Saturday in the All-American Bowl. And, uh, yeah, just absolutely looking forward to him. And they've already started practice this week. There's been a lot of reports out of practice that, okay, we got a live one on our hands. Uh, yes, this Norman, Oklahoma product is killing it. So, yeah, that's something to look forward to as well. And speaking of things to look forward to, hey, catch us tomorrow. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about Spartan things, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, anything that breaks, we'll be bringing it up. And if, hey, you just want to get something off your chest or ask us a question, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com is the place to find us. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Uh, go, go enjoy this victory here. Hey, now, come on. Michigan State beats Nebraska. You do not apologize for conference wins. And you also celebrate wins that, well, just go so far over the spread, you can't believe it. So, yes, keep it tuned for tomorrow's episode of Locked on Spartans. Your team every single day. Go green. Love you all.